been trying to say something is wrong and she is definitely, they all are connected to New Age. And yes, they are. I'm sorry, they might sound like they are Christian and they talk about Christ and Jesus, but no, they are connected to this. And this is the warning that I've been saying all along. They are taking everybody towards this new whatever, Lazarus initiative and the new earth. This is their new world order right here. And I started to connect it to even Big Bat USA when I saw this. And Arise USA. Look at the pictures they have there. So they're still 100% in my opinion pro-Trump. But hey, I don't know. That might have been then. But to me, it's already clear. There was an article on Mike Lindell, Game Changer. And... As I'm sitting there, I, I scroll to the bottom and it says, now stand up for Mike and use promo code and look at 66%. <laughs> look, I trust him as much as I can throw my own pillow and oh my goodness, that's not far. And then this came up as I was in that article as well. So clearly, they're still standing with Trump. 1.3% billion dollar lawsuit there's your 13 i don't think it's ever gonna happen but hey i don't know this is my opinion the best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves who said that lenin and that's exactly what i'm thinking this is another controlled opposition and it's all about love it's all about frequency and it's all about you guessed it new age Talk of a political dirt unit. It is typical of this government that uh, a dirt unit should be operating on me by someone in a ministerial suite in the Howard government. Embarrassing facts, uh, or factoids, or stories uh, on the coalition. And uh, the fact is, uh, as I've said to Margie and the kids, we're going to see a lot more. Dirt, 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 dirt. <sighs> Here we are again. So, quick recap on last episode. We started off <clears throat> by looking at theosophy and its creation in the late 18th century by a woman called Elena Bavatsky a member of the Russian aristocracy who moved to America. We've explored the influences of theosophy and the different offshoots. Um, we've explored the beliefs of theosophy, which is that uh, the human race is governed by a a council of ascended masters uh, who involve different historical figures from different religions and and uh, different people with different places in history. Uh, I guess the point being that it's an all-encompassing religion that you don't have to discard your previous religion to be a part of because there's always some kind of link to it. These people are known as the Great 
white brotherhood of ascended masters and the uh, god of this religion is known as Gaia. Uh, we saw how this morphed, uh, this found root in Austria <clears throat> in the early 19th and the early 20th century, um, which, which morphed into a cultish religion called Ariosophy, which was the uh, theological base of the Nazis. We've uh, then looked at the concurrent rise, or we looked at the um, Nazi offshoot in America called the Silver Shirts, uh, led by America's Hitler, William Dudley, and then when William Dudley was taken down, two of his followers, Guy and Edna Ballard, took his story that he told about these Ascended Masters and about meeting a Ascended Master called St. Germain on Mount Shasta in California and repurposed it as their own and started the I Am movement. The I Am movement, um, millions of followers, was a pretty crazy cult and we've sort of explored how the people from the core of the movement uh, after the movement went down for mail fraud uh, went on to spawn different things such as the church universal triumphant and the libertarian movement courtesy of Robert Lefervre and we traced uh, the religious offshoots um, such as the church universal and triumphant as far as we could towards the present day, ending in the late 90s, where all mention of them dies off. So I wanted to just read, before we move on from that, I want to just read the uh, couple excerpts from two books. So... I mentioned last time that I would be interested in reading some educated musings on the relationship of uh, Ariosophy or like religion and um, conspiracy theories, um, particularly regarding the Nazis. And I also separately mentioned a book called The Occult Roots of Nazism. Uh, if I had have just actually read the book, um, you know, I would, have, <laughs> I would have had the answer to that question. So I wouldn't I would like to read the um, preface to the 2004 edition of the book. It was originally released in 1985, and it was re-released in 2004. And the author um, wrote a preface uh, at the start. It says, As we witness the renewed growth of the far right across Europe, America, and the former Eastern Bloc, the occult roots of Nazism helps illuminate its ideological foundations. By examining the occult ideas that played midwife to the Hitler movement, the most destructive right-wing ideology in history, we can better understand their implications today. When the book first appeared, popular literature on the link between Hitler, Nazi ideology, occultism and Tibetan mysteries had proliferated since the 60s and Nazi black magic was regarded as a topic for sensational authors in pursuit of strong sales. The very existence of this sort of literature 
tended to inhibit serious historical inquiry into the religion and occult aspects of German National Socialism. Before the 80s, only a few serious writers had alluded to the religious aspects of National Socialism. This neglect was all the more surprising since commentators during the Third Reich had already noted its cultic appeal. A wide understanding of Nazi religiosity awaited the scholarly examination of the pre-Nazi Volkisch ideology. The cult roots of Nazism documents the lives, doctrines and cult activities of the Ariosophists of Vienna and their successors in Germany, who combined Volkisch, German nationalism and Aryan racial theories with occultism. They articulated a defensive ideology of German identity and illiberalism, since they were especially concerned with the political emergence of the subject nationalities of multi-ethnic Austria-Hungary after 1900. Since their ideas in respect of ancient Aryan homelands, Hyperborea and Atlantis, suppressed pagan priesthoods, Germanic religion and runic wisdom later filtered through to Heinrich, Heinrich Himmler and his SS research departments, Ariosophy provided a model case study in Nazi religiosity. The continuity of such beliefs through the Third Reich with its eschatological vision of genocide, clearly demonstrated the irrelevance of a Marxist analyst based on a critique of capitalism, economic factors, and class interests. Only religious beliefs and myth could explain the success of an ideology concerned with special racial and esoteric knowledge, the belief in a nefarious world conspiracy of scheming Jews and other racial inferiors, and the apocalyptic promise of group salvation in a millenarian apotheosis apotheosis of the German nation. These ideas all derived from pre-rational and pre-modern traditions. The widening scholarly awareness and treatment of Nazism as a political religion is in part a response to the growing role of religion in politics today. The end of the Cold War also concluded the 20th century ideological wars of fascism, liberalism and communism. Idealistic views of political order have given way to ideologies of cultural identity in which religion plays a major part. The rapid growth and impact of Islamic militancy, Hindu nationalism and Christian fundamentalism in the 90s have sharply reminded us that beliefs and myths can provide a dynamic and often destructive form of political expression. The re-emergence of these forms of political religiosity makes it much easier to understand the extraordinary appeal of myth, religious imagery and political idealism that animated Nazism in its own era. Meanwhile, the radical right itself has resurfaced in the Western democracies and from the mid-1980s onwards, Western countries witnessed the rise of the radical right, pushing for political space on the margins of liberal society. By the early 90s, the increasing number and political assertion of immigrant and ethnic minorities in advanced industrial states led the United States, Britain and other states, still with predominantly white populations, to embrace the idea of a multicultural society. The end of the Soviet Empire and its erstwhile impermeable borders across Central and Eastern Europe then unleashed a further movement of economic migrants, refugees and so-called asylum seekers across Asia. By the early 2000s, Europe and North America have become the favoured destination for migrant population flows from the developing world, often placing an unsustainable burden on local housing, education and health services. Skyrocketing immigration figures, coupled with liberal demands for multiculturalism, have recreated similar political circumstances to those which gave rise to far-right neo-Nazi parties in the United States and Britain in the 60s in response to civil rights legislation and non-white immigration. 
Once again, far-right parties have re-emerged, with the British National Party winning a number of local council ward seats in urban areas of mixed ethnic settlement. Fueled by these issues, populist parties have achieved a high profile in other European states. This milieu and its mentors are examined in my successor volume, Black Sun, Aryan Cults, Esoteric Nazism and the Politics of Identity. Such groupious schools coin esoteric symbols of white racial identity, facilitate discourses of resistance to the coloured invasion of the West, and embrace a rich plethora of conspiracy theories and occult ideas involved in the mystique of the blood, Nazi-Tibetan connections, and even Nazi-manned UFOs. The names of the Ariosophists have themselves become current in this milieu, thereby underlining the direct line of descent between Ariosophy in the 20s and 30s and the re-emergent of the cultic far-right today. And it's interesting because this guy clearly has no awareness of the IAM activity because that is the through line. That's the connecting tissue to these things he mentioned and Ariosophy. He does talk about how this belief system and these occult beliefs that come with Ariosophy are psychologically manipulative and they give rise to um, authori authoritarian personality traits which is very interesting because that's also what the guy who cambridge analytica bought the stolen facebook data from was working for the russians looking at methods on bringing out authoritarian personality traits um it's worth noting as well i'm not going to go too much into them but there, there is more, like plenty more theosophy offshoots from that same era one of the most well-known um, and influential figures anyway of this uh, in the west of this whole side of things is alistair crowley and the order of the golden dawn which might be familiar with the name for their sort of resurgence of late particularly in greece following you know all the trouble that has gone on in greece over the last 10 years or so i did just but I just wanted to share one thing about them that I think is quite um, interesting. So w with all these new age, you know, offshoots of theosophy that get labelled new age, the reason why they get labelled new age is, you know, way to state the bleeding obvious, but it's the idea is that we're entering a new age of religion. And uh, f for example, the age we're coming out of is the age of Pisces. And the age we're entering into is the age of Aquarius. And this is based on astrological signs. And you can see this reflected a lot in uh, Christian imagery and stuff. And Jesus is very much like a fish guy because Pisces is a fish. You know, the Jesus fish, fish, you know, see him on like bumper stickers and stuff. That's like literally the Pisces fish. And the age of Pisces is, is over. It's coming to an end. We're in the crossover period. In fact, the crossover period started in about 1950, and I think it's about 100 years or so. And so on that note, I'm, I'm going to go into, into more detail and all that in a future episode, but th there was a book that was put online in 2011, and it was on a website, bookofaquarius.forgottenbooks.org, and it, claim, it claims to, I'll read the preface. The purpose of this book, is to release one particular secret which has been kept hidden for the last 12,000 years. The Philosopher's Stone, the Elixir of Life, the Fountain of Youth, Ambrosia, Soma, Amata, 
the nectar of immortality. These are all different names for the same thing. Throughout history, the secret has been used by a very few to extend their lives hundreds of years in perfect health with access to unlimited wealth along many other miraculous properties. Some kept the secret because they understood that the time was not right for the secret to be free for all people, but most kept the secret out of their own jealousy, ignorance, egotism, and corruption. The Stone's history and the history of the human race up until this day is a strange story full of secret societies, hooded cloaks, and mystical symbols. Such theatrics are childish and shallow. It's pointless to look for the light in the shadows. The Philosopher's Stone operates and is made by entirely natural and scientific means. Truth is always simple, beautiful, and easy to understand. The Philosopher's Stone is real. You can make it at home. The stone makes old people young, heals all forms of sickness and disease, extends your life, turns any metal into gold and more, as you will learn. This isn't a myth or a metaphor. It's fact. Don't judge this book before you've read it. This is not one of those airy-fairy books written in all kinds of mystical language, filling pages with words that make sentences but not sense. This book will make more sense than anything you've ever read before. The Age of Secrets is over. I'm writing this book in common English. There's no need for mystical language or metaphor. This book contains no hidden meaning or codes. Everything is stated plainly and directly, in the shortest and simplest of words necessary to convey the meaning. And we're not going to read it, but we're going to judge it because I'll tell the story of the Philosopher's Stone in the most plain English, to the point, way possible. Drink your own piss. That is the golden dawn. Get up in the morning, drink your own piss, and you'll be young forever and cure whatever your fucking ailments are. So, yeah, that's that. In short, in summary, that is that book. Um, But, you know, there's entire Facebook pages set up dedicated to laughing at people that do follow this practice. And I can guarantee you that those people ain't living forever. So one more thing before we go on. Just going to read the preface of a book from 1940 uh, written about the I am activity. It's called A Psychic Dictatorship in America. It's got a little publisher's note at the start that says, just before this book came off the press, the amazing cult which it exposes was indicted by the federal grand jury at Los Angeles on charges of fraudulent use of the mails. Psychic Dictatorship in America reveals heretofore unpublished and startling facts about this subversive cult. This is a history and psychological study of one of America's most astounding cults, an incredible story of the strangest dictatorship now current in our land. It recounts how an unseen psychic potentate dominates the minds and actions of thousands of patriotic American citizens who, today, meet in closed secret study groups in most of the cities throughout the United States. It relates how two self-styled accredited messengers of invisible masters rose from obscurity to fame and fortune by bringing forth a new messiah, allegedly an actual historical character who had considerable political influence in Europe during the middle of the 18th century. But this book is intended to be more than just an interesting uh, history of a curious faith or recital of an ever-recurring messianic complex. It is a study of strange psychological forces revealed mainly through the history of a single subversive cult 
but which have their influence also on other movements operating in America today. It shows in these days when panaceas parade the land and people reach out for straws to save themselves, how American ideals of freedom and independence are being supplanted by a slavish dependence upon odd sorts of deliverances. And oddest perhaps of all current movements, and loaded with special brands of psychological and political dynamite, is the cult this book exposes. Similar movements, no doubt, have occurred in the past, but none of them have shown the sheer audacity and careless dealing with the truth as the one whose incredible and fantastic history is here recorded. A recital which serves so well to typify, in some respects, the peculiar history of the time through which America today is passing. The author hopes that this amazing story will serve to reveal subversive psychological influences which are producing widespread mental confusion in the United States. <coughs> in the United States, from which some form of political despotism may sprout and jeopardize constitutional principles of freedom and liberty upon which this nation is founded. It is his hope, too, that such a history and study will be an example and warning should now, or at any future time, other subversive movements using similar psychological methods of regimentating the minds of credulous people get underway in America. To those who, after reading this book, find sad disillusionment concerning a movement which so long has held their earnest and devoted allegiance, the author can only express the wish to see them happily use their aspirations and talents elsewhere in God's great kingdom. With many, no doubt, there will be felt a glad release, a sense of freedom to be cut loose from servile obedience to pretend masters and be freed from the hypnotic domination of a psychic dictatorship. Gerald B. Bryan, Los Angeles, California, July 1940. All right. So that's that. Let's put all that stuff to rest now, hopefully. And... Let's look at the year 2000 to the current day. Now, this won't be that detailed, but we're going to give a bit of an outline. We've covered these people involved previously. In particular, this guy, which I'm sick of talking about, but we have to, which is Sasha Stone. Now, it's hard to find much about what Sasha Stone was doing in the 90s, but we do know that he played in a band and a bit of poking around on the internet, um, reveals the name of his band was Stone, perhaps unsurprisingly. And that's obviously where the stone in his name comes from, because his name is actually Simon Jean-Paul Sasha Adams. And so I can't find their music, though I will keep looking. Actually, I think I've just found their music. Um, three songs of theirs. I'll play some here. You're listening to the heavenly tones of Sasha Stone here on Dirt Unit FM 105.7. Anyway, bit of an idea. So they released a five-track EP in 1995. Then they released an album uh, in 1996 called Cover the Sun. Uh, Interestingly, on their album, looking at the producer credits here, two of the tracks on the album are produced by Eddie Kramer. And, I mean, he's a very big-name producer, used to be the 
director of engineering at Electric Lady Studios in the early 70s, but he's like a very big name producer. He's worked with the likes of Jimi Hendrix, The Beatles, David Bowie, The Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Eric Clapton, The Kinks, Kiss, John Mellencamp, Carlos Santana, Anthrax, Joe Cocker, Loudness, Peter Frampton, and the list goes on. So that's interesting. But they never really did anything after this. They've got one review on Discogs. It says, want to hear rubbish music by a right-wing nutjob? Knock yourself out. But that was about it uh, for them. But then in 1998, he went solo and released a single, self-release. And it's quite funny. So, you know, if you haven't seen this guy, like imagine, like, imagine Russell Brand, but not a comedian. An actual like self-described, you know, new agey guru type guy. Russell Brand with none of the like wit or charisma or anything like that. Now, this is actually hilarious. I don't know if anybody has seen Getting to the Greek. Great movie. It stars Russell Brand and, and he's basically like, he's, I mean, I guess like by most of his movies, he's kind of just playing himself, but as if he was a, a washed up rock star that used to be massive and is like making a comeback. And in this movie, his his life's just like falling apart. He's a drug addict. He's just he's just a, a loser. He doesn't get on with his dad, and he's fighting with his missus. And he's trying to make a comeback in his music career. And he yeah, he decides he wants to he wants to help the children and and whatever. And go, he's gone all Bono, and uh, and he releases like the most tone deaf, cringy, wanky single that you could possibly imagine. It's called African Child. And that is hilarious because Sasha Stone's one self-release solo single is called African Child. It's not online. So, I don't know. Is it the same song? That would be hilarious. Probably not. But, you know, there is this weird crossover between these two. I don't think they've ever appeared side by side, but they're definitely, like, on the same team. You know what? There's actually a copy of this single um, for sale on Discogs for £1.50 from the UK. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. Jesus. 20 bucks for shipping. That is nuts. No, I'm going to do it. All right. (laughs) I bought this single now, so we'll listen to it next time and we'll see how it goes. (laughs) And hello there. It's Brendan from the future. I have in my hot little hands a copy of Sasha Stone, African Child. So let's have a quick little preview of this song.
What a waste of money. Very Russell Brand. Get him to the Greek vibes, though. But anyway, that's pretty much it for him. But in the year uh, 1999, Sasha Stone goes and registers a company in the UK uh, called Humanitad Foundation. He is the sole director of the company. Correspondence address is Sweet Sea Weatherby Mansions in Earl's Court Square, London. Now, just looking it up now, whilst it is a very nice building, it's a residential building, so that's not an office. That's obviously just his flat. But anyway, this this was the birth of the Humanitard organisation. There's not much out there about Humanitard. They've got a website. What it seems like uh, Humanitard sort of acts as is uh, a foundation that spawns a lot of, um, it's like an umbrella foundation. It spawns a lot of other foundations. But, you know, it's got like pictures on the website of him uh, meeting with the Minister of Land in Sierra Leone um, as part of a Humanitad delegation. Um, There's him on the red carpet at the United Nations Security Council in New York City representing Humanitad. And then some uh, United Nations awards night in New York City with uh, his man behind the scenes there who uh, I've just recognised. We'll get to him in a second. Um, there's him with the Ethiopian Orthodox Church leaders um, at the Royal Palace in Ubud in Bali, which is where he lives. Um, and then with the President of Indonesia, and then with the Libyan Democratic Party leader. It's his diplomatic passport pictures of him um, with stamps next to him in India, Mongolia, Bosnia, Jordan. Colombia, another United Nations Awards show, another United Nations Awards show, another one, the Breakthrough Energy Movement Conference. See, this is the thing. This is like, it seems so official and so United Nations, and then it's just like Breakthrough Energy Movement Conference, and it's just like, this is just one of his stupid, like, conspiracy um, con job things that he does. I'm sorry about that bird. I gave it like 10 minutes and that bird went, but now there's like heaps more birds around. The room that I record this in is like directly under this massive eucalyptus, which has like this flock of like a hundred cockatoos that just come and chill in it sometimes and just make recording things impossible. I can hear them flying around at the moment. So let's hope they stay at bay. They're also mostly responsible for the banging that you hear in the background. So I apologize for that. It's like these cockatoos like take full branches off the tree and just drop them. Also, my chair's noisy. So there's that too. So I do apologize, but deal with it because otherwise you'd get these podcasts like once every six months. So with Sasha Stone, there is some some pretty interesting um, stuff out there about just like dodgy stuff is he does uh like take loans from people never pay them back rip people off all, all that kind of stuff and uh and also uh he seems to like lending names from uh, like getting a connection with other organizations and lending their name to his for credibility and then grifting and it looks like 
that's what he's done here with the United Nations. So it looks like uh, Humanitard was initially invited to be part of the United Nations Millennium Development Goals. And that's run by a guy called Jeff Sachs. And we'll talk about him another time. But Sasha Stone ended up being a producer on the Millennium Development Goals Awards show for a couple of years. That seems to be it. That's his UN connection. It's not. It's just like an internship from an award show. And then, I don't know, you can't find anything about what Humanita does aside from just like ambiguous terms about social justice and, and expanding consciousness and environmental protection, apparently. But what they do seem to do is, spawn, is act as like an umbrella foundation to spawn all these um, all these other like initiatives of Sasha Stones or of Humanitards. And these are all the things that they, they, they look and they sound very uh, official and very UN. Um, you know, the graphic design is very, very UN vibes uh, on all this, on all the stuff they put out. But, but there, there's no, it isn't actually affiliated with the UN. So his affiliation is supporting the Millennium um, Development Goals uh, awards show production. <laughs> that's 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 his link to the UN. But they they've spawned heaps of these like organisations over the years. On their website, it doesn't doesn't it lists as offshoots of Humanitad as some of their initiatives. There's the International Tribunal for Natural Justice, also the Committee to Support the International Tribunal for Natural Justice, and then it lists the Millennium Development Goals Awards at the UN Generally General Assembly Hall, and there's a there's a uh, there's like a banner there. It says, "We support the United Nations Millennial Development Goals Awards." That's saying they support them. There's no, that's not. There's he just worked as an assistant producer on one of them back in the early 2000s. But then, obviously, you can even see on the, you can see the UN logo here, and it's, it is that um, it is the same uh, a logo he uses for stuff for Humanitad. It's a slight variation, but it's very very similar. But then the other initiative that it lists is this Jusui uh, Humanity campaign, and the banner says Jusui Humanity criminalize war now, right? Now it's been a while since I studied French uh, back in my early high school days. Pretty sure. Jusui means I am, and I think that's confirmed because it's got four of the presentations from the event, whatever it is, and they have the person's name who's talking, obviously, but in front of it, it says I am, and but the I am is in red, so it's clearly highlighted. Like, this isn't saying this is an I am event, but they're clearly emphasizing the I am. I am Sasha Stone. I am... Sean Stone and I am Robert David Steele. Although they should probably update that to say I am dead from COVID. But that uncomfortable truth probably wouldn't resonate with their audience. The most recent initiative from Humanitad, which purports to be part of the UN. I mean, their logo is has the UN logo with the Jesuit sun in the middle of it. That's literally Humanitad's logo. And their most recent one is the New Earth Symposium, 
Big Brother Out of Control, New Earth Spotlight, a Pure Truth Symposium. This is, uh, I feel like this is very dangerous. That's only listing three things or, or like four things. One that's like not their thing, but, but there's been heaps of other things. We don't have to list them all now, but even just off the top of my head, things that I've seen, uh, the Lazarus Initiative is his most recent one. Ricardo Bosi is a part of that, I believe. And this New Earth stuff, he's got this New Earth University, and that's where all the um, COVID conspiracy stuff initially came out of that, that he handed on to all these influencers. Also, working for this New, uh, New Earth University is David Icke, Max Egan, all these sort of conspiracy cult leaders. So alongside um, Sasha Stone doing this humanitarian stuff, in the early 2000s, uh, in, in about 2005 or to 2008, we see this whole online conspiracy, um, you know, world sort of pop up, which which clearly comes from I am. It doesn't explicitly say it, but it but it's obvious um, once you know what you're looking at. And it was initially, it was all focused on the 2012 end of the Mayan calendar, Ascension time. And this seems to have had this relationship with the UFO conspiracy community. And we can see that um, later on as time goes on when the network Gaia um, started up, which is like a, a network for conspiracies, you know, all, all based around UFOs and aliens and spirituality and, and all this kind of stuff that you would kind of describe as far-left conspiracies. Um, and, I mean, the giveaway that all that has to do with I Am is the fact that it's called Gaia. And Gaia is the name of, like, the god uh, in theosophy. And that's hosted by, or was hosted at one point, by initially by a guy called David Wilcock. And he is straight out of the UFO um, conspiracy community. Uh, he comes from Coast to Coast AM, um, from, like, the 90s, where he used to appear alongside Graham Hancock, who's someone else we're going to have to get into at a later date. It looks like the first mention of this 2012 conspiracy stuff comes in the form of a YouTube video that appeared in 2008. It's called The Human Ascension in 2012. And is just like a real sort of like, yeah, same style as like all those QAnon shitty bed shoot videos. And then... It had a link to a website, which is long gone, but it's still there on the Internet Archive, and it's 2012info.ca. And if you go to that website, it just says 2012info, facts and prophecies. And it's very religious-seeming, and it's talking about ascension, and says, something wicked and wondrous this way comes. Do you sense a change in the world around you? Is something you can't define troubling your subconscious? Do you feel religion has had its day and is no longer relevant? 
Do you daydream about the universe or space? Do you feel physically different lately somehow? Do you feel drawn to something but don't know what? Do you sense a global shift of consciousness is occurring? Does it seem to you that time is accelerating? And that's just like the most ridiculous setting. I mean, it may as well be like, are you getting older? Do you feel the need to drink water and eat food? Do you find every day you're waking up alive? If you answered yes or more to any of those questions, then you're already aware of the changes taking place physically and spiritually on a global scale. This video, to the right, is an introduction to the events that are foretold to take place between now and December 21st, 2012. And um, believe it or not, the website stopped operating in November 2012. It didn't even, maybe it ascended. But if we go down the page, we can see a bunch of, of reference sites that they've used. And there's this worldmysteries.com, 2012planetx.com, yowusa.com, then there's halexandria.org. Um, halexandria.org is interesting because it's like it claims to be the library of alexandria and it's basically like a directory of all this esoteric knowledge and stuff like that if you go to this yow y-o-w-u-s-a.com it is planet x 2012 nibiru nostradamus and more and these seem to just all sort of feed it feed into each other Worldmysteries.com is is just uh, about, well, I mean, as the name suggests, um, explore lost civilizations, ancient ruins, sacred writings, unexplained artifacts, and science mysteries. And if you go on the Internet Archive to that point in time, or even earlier, it was around since <laughs> September, 20, uh, September 2001, right? It just looks like, you know, a website that... It does what it says on the cover. But if you go forward to today, it is just anti-vax. There's RFK Jr., QAnon, like explicitly QAnon, mandatory vaccinations, hidden agenda, coronavirus pandemic agenda, who controls the world, wake up before it's too late. And then there's, there's literally a link to QAnon on the side. And then if you go to... I mean, these other websites are not around anymore. They all went defunct after 2012, which is funny. But then the last one um, that is referenced there or, or linked there as a reference is Project Camelot. And that's this woman, Kerry Cassidy. And this also comes out of the UFO movement. And Project Camelot was like set up as supposed to be a place for whistleblowers to share their story. And these whistleblowers were talking about worked at you you know as a contractor on secret government bases and witnessed ufo aircrafts and stuff but the thing is a lot of these people are actually disinformation agents like yes they worked they worked for the government they contracted for the government and that is their job is to spread disinformation about ufos and we'll probably have to dig in that further we're gonna to have to do a whole episode on the ufo thing so i won't go much further into it but uh interestingly i'm just seeing you know, it's glory. This is 2008 um, is the date that it's got me on this website. And it's like the news item at the top of the uh, pages. Russia warns NATO. Russians suspect that the US Navy is delivering arms to Georgia under the cover of civilian aid. 
Um, so taking a very Russian-centric view of the invasion of Georgia that was happening in 2008, which is interesting. But this Kerry Cassidy person um, is probably a bit, a bit more influential than um, we would think. For example, she's made a post in 2017 which says, the fires in Northern California are clearly the work of planning and an attack orchestrated by the Illuminati and their cohorts. As known, the houses in Northern California are on prime real estate and those in power want the land cleared of people and their dwellings in order to repossess and control what would be built there in the future. With the skyrocketing value of Northern California wine, this land became a focus for prime real estate development. So what she's saying there is Jewish space lasers caused the fires and we heard that repeated um, by, was it Marjorie Taylor Greene, maybe, in the California fires of 2020 or 2021? So I don't, in that quote, she didn't specifically say it was a space-based weapon, but before it, it, uh, it says that she wrote the fires were apparently caused by a space-based weapon and continued, and then there's a quote. So, well, But we heard that same story without the space-based Illuminati lasers when we had the fires here and uh, 2019, 2020, it was like, oh, it's deliberately done to clear land for like a high-speed rail or something like that. I'm pretty sure that was pushed by the IPA. So that's that's kind of interesting. And in the in the little little clip, little outcut, uh, outcast, little outtake we heard from American PSYOP a couple of episodes ago where they had Sean Stone talking about his long-form conversation show that he was going to be starting he mentioned alex jones and kerry cassidy as being the only two people doing that kind of thing um at the moment and that's interesting because you do it is basically like you've got Infowars on the right and then you've got this project camelot on the left alex jones probably a bit more fun to uh to watch than kerry cassidy here She's still around and she was one of the first people in April 2020 to start talking about, well, she explained that the entire population is infected by SARS-CoV-2, but symptoms only show when the virus is activated by 5G transmissions. This article goes on to point out that there's no actually no 5G in all the places that had had a COVID outbreak at that point. But uh, again, we see this, this um, paralleling with the Russian narrative. So what seems to be happening here is under the banner of this 2012 stuff, they've pulled together all these different related, like I am related um, threads that it seemed like separate things and they're conglomerating it all together heading towards 2012. Another interesting thing I've found is on one of these websites there it's it's just like a uh got like a blog type thing on it and it's here in 2008 there's a blog post uh saying that the ascension movement needs to link up with the truther movement the 9-11 truther movement which is interesting and i'll tell you why in a sec uh, but i need to explain something else first all these people that seem to push this I am 
stuff. They don't, aside from like the odd guests appearance, guest appearances on each other's podcasts and stuff, they don't appear to be working together. Um, not anymore anyway. I mean, you've got Dean Ryan and Sean Stone who actually used to work together. He used to be like a team that had a podcast or something. But it all seems like, you know, uh, just separate people doing their own thing who occasionally come together. But what is interesting, a little serendipitous event occurred where I went and caught up with a mate a couple of weeks back now. And this mate, not interested at all in any of this stuff or, you know, conspiracy stuff at all. Your conversations don't go anywhere near there. But he's like, chuck the TV on watch a show he puts some youtube channel on that he likes watching and it's called um channel five news and it's like this guy who just goes goes around to different like events and stuff and and just does like vox pops you know asking people questions and stuff and it's and it's funny and he went to this thing called the conscious life festival and i'm watching this and i'm like holy shit i would i just finished the last um, podcast. I hadn't put it out yet. So I actually put an outtake from that show at the start of the last podcast. That's what it was from. And this Conscious Life Festival, and you can see it when you're watching the clip, it is, this is the I Am, you know, events. This is the central like events for this, for this I Am movement. You can see it everywhere. When, when you're watching this clip and he's talking around and he's, and he's talking to the people and in the background is these very like Christian religious looking artwork but it's like saint germain and there's just like i am everywhere and that's what this is and that's very interesting because i've seen the conscious life festival pop up a whole bunch of times and sean stone dean ryan and sasha stone are all frequent speakers at the conscious life festival or sorry the conscious life expo so back to the call to merge with the truther movement. Well, fast forward a few years and you've got... Here I have Dean Ryan, Jordan Maxwell, and Sean Stone, and they've all stopped by to have a little conversation as we like to do at the Conscious Life Expo. Dean, you guys are going to be speaking on Sunday. Kind of set us up, tell us why you put the event together and what it's about. Well, Brian, I, I, I'm so, so excited. This is uh, me and Sean. This is our third year doing this for, for the Conscious Life Expo. Fourth time because we did one in off-season, but this year so exciting and important because we are honoring the legendary Jordan Maxwell, who is the godfather of the truth movement. If it wasn't for Jordan, there would be none of us here tonight uh, talking about alternative uh, truth. And, and, and so it's, it's a privilege for uh, Sean and I to be uh, presenting the Lifetime Achievement Award for uh, Jordan Maxwell. And then he is... Sasha Stone t talking about his appearance. Uh, his it was just like a teaser for his appearance at this year's Conscious Life Expo. Preparing a, uh, a generic form, uh, dynamic slideshow with multimedia in it, so that I can uh, try to d distill into one um, one event uh, a sort of summation of. Um, of what it is that I'm working on and what interests me, which is, of course, the, the, the trifecta of uh, cosmogenesis, archaeocosmology, um, making its way through corrected history to the status quo, and then understanding the Sabbatean invisible hand to our um, to our holonomic dream spell, so to speak, and then understanding how to um, breach that and um, activate the what I've loosely called the mechanics of ascension.
look, I'm not being hyperbolic, but if Heinrich Himmler was around today, he would be Sasha Stone. Sasha Stone even, um, I've seen a, uh, outtakes from a presentation he did at his like wellness retreat thing in Bali. And he literally, the last slide of his presentation is just a picture of Hitler with like a quote. It's not a real quote of Hitler's, but it's like something like, don't let anyone um, stop you from doing what you want to do or something like <sighs> But, you know, this Conscious Life Festival is just this, these guys every year, especially like now, it's leading up to the Trump years and through the Trump years to today. It's just like these guys on rotation and everyone else around him and this Kerry Cassidy person and, and these UFO people that used to be in this orbit of uh, Coast to Coast AM in the 90s. People like David Wilcock who, who end up being you know, central figures in the UFO community, also hosting Gaia, talking about Ascended Masters and, and all this stuff. And this is all very American. You know, you don't, like, I'm part of, of the psychedelic festival scene in Australia. It's where I play my music. I'm very familiar with it. It's very similar on the surface to a lot of these places you see I am coming out of in the US, but it's completely different in that there's none of that here. So this is, I mean, that clearly says to me, someone very familiar with similar events in Australia that this is a this is a, d a deliberate push from I am to covertly preach their religion but you know this is also since 2020 getting pretty relevant to us because we have Sean Stone who we have an audio of him talking about being behind Q drops the only way forward is to return to the Republic. And I think that it's going to be very confusing for people. The one thing I really have to intuitively think is that what has to happen is that the reason that we've done these Q drops and Trump has been in office, that the reason that we've done these Q drops. And we have Ricardo Bosi having some kind of relationship with Sasha Stone and not just a, um, it, it definitely wasn't just a connection at the start of the pandemic through curiosities about COVID or whatever. Sasha Stone's network is very familiar with Ricardo Bosi, and I don't know why, but I get that from him. He is no uh, stranger to my networks. Ricardo, delightful uh, to have you join us today. Thank you for joining at such short notice. Thanks, Sasha. Absolute pleasure to be here, and thank you for the kind invitation. Okay, I'm not hearing you there, Ricardo. That's curious. Is your mic working okay? Let's try again. Stand by. Stand by. Don't don't leave the studio. Speak. <laughs> Fucking boomers, I swear. Um, should not be given technology. Should not be trying to do technology on their own. Um, but then we also have Dean Ryan, who on the surface seems to come from a completely different angle, doing his own thing, not anything to do with... I mean, it's, it does seem very QAnon-y, but on the surface, not anything to do with QAnon or, or Sasha Stone. But then in 2021, he just gets this completely random Australian insider as a frequent guest appearer on his show called Guru. 
and then while Guru's working for Dean Ryan, he just starts, I mean, not explicitly working with Bosey, but but working with Bosey, definitely like praising Ricardo Bosey on his streams, uh, definitely some kind of relationship with Romeo Georges, who was also working with Bosey. Quote, Romeo Georges speaks to him every single day on the phone. So there was a falling out with Dean Ryan and Guru. I'm pretty sure Guru probably falls out with every single person he ever comes into contact with. But that was after. Um, that was leading up to the convoys, which the other... Uh, the guy who started the Canadian convoy was a person who also worked for Dean Ryan alongside Guru, who also had a falling out and started the convoy. But what it seemed like was that these convoys were supposed to happen, but they were supposed to happen about a month later, not when they happened, which was when Pat King was booted from Dean Ryan's show for being a drunk and decided to just get in his truck and start this convoy early. Now, as someone who watched the entire thing happen and documented it, I pretty safely um, say that those convoys were supposed to coincide with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And we did see that in America. They tried to have one which coincided with it with the with the actual invasion and then interestingly if you look at um sasha stone's current things he's got this uh this thing called the academy of divine knowledge and one of their teachers is actually called unified now and it's got like david Icke on it and a bunch of other people, but one of their teachers is Pat King. And also Pat King was, is a, uh, an evangelical Christian. He was, go, has gone on a lot of evangelical type, um, you know, internet talk shows, glorified podcasts, you know, the, this kind of thing. But he's also a member of the, Yellow Shirts Canada, which was started at the same time as Yellow Shirts Australia, which was the Australian Liberty Alliance. And members of Yellow Shirts Australia included Avi Yemeni and Morgan C. Jonas. And they were explicitly pushing QAnon. I've got screenshots of their, their initial groups, which actually... There was a yellow shirts group that was formed at this alongside with the uh, French original yellow shirts, which was an organic movement originally. But Steve Bannon was working with Marine Le Pen in France and they infiltrated that movement and it became a QAnon movement. And then once they had infiltrated it enough, it spread out through the networks and these, these yellow vest groups were set up in other countries. And what happened here was actually RV Yemeni took over the Yellow Vest Australia um, Facebook page, convinced the admins to put him on as an admin, and then he just took over the page and like, and then, 
and de-admined the other admins and uh, and tried to make it his own, put a link to the protocols of the elders of Zion in the in the actual uh, like pinned to the top of the event, and then the description was we uh, adhere to QAnon. Where we go, one we go all. And you can find that screenshot and heaps of other details around that convoy on my Medium page. If you just Google the 100% totally organic convoy to Canberra that just happened out of nowhere organically, you'll find it. Um, I think if you just search convoy to Canberra also, you'll find it. It's one of the top search results. So uh, alongside QAnon, Sasha Stone has set up this um, thing called the International Tribunal for Natural Justice. And this was set up. It's hard to say whether it was directly linked or not, but it, the wheels started turning and the same with QAnon at the same time as QAnon was, or like Pizzagate was, was being seated, which was like 2015 which certainly coincided with the end of the Royal Commission into the um, institutional response to child sexual abuse here in Australia. And it's interesting because we've just had these years of this um, Royal Commission and all this dirty laundry being aired from these organisations that were predominantly religious groups, not just the Catholic Church, but mostly the Catholic Church. And then once it finishes up, you've got, this international tribunal for natural justice that appears and it's talking about these elite pedophiles that aren't the church but are progressives and i don't know it's a little sus that it doesn't really align with all the findings of the extensive royal commission in fact it seems to go completely against it and sean stone was uh was you know one of these sort of like he wasn't there doing it but he was like constantly a guest for chats about it and and things around it and stuff like that and definitely a part of it this is a bummer because i've only got another 15 minutes or so left that i can actually upload of this podcast this month and as i've been trying to figure out what to add in this little uh 10 minutes or so that we've got left here for the month I've actually stumbled on a little nugget of information that's opened a whole door up to a whole bunch of stuff regarding the I am activity and its continuation to today. So that mixed with the man behind the scenes of the International Tribunal for Natural Justice and Sasha Stone himself. We're going to have to do one more episode on these guys. So we'll leave it here for now. And for this last 10 minutes or so, or probably won't even be that long, but I'm just going to um, chuck in a couple of little quotes of interest from the podcast American PsyOp. Till next time, you uh, stay vertical. And so every time I got one of these intuitions, you know, and my heart would vibrate, I'd be like, is it asking me to hurt anybody? Is it harmless? Is it this? And I would test every thought that came into me so that I wouldn't take advantage of things and I wouldn't be a grifter and I wouldn't be like saying dumb shit like kill the gays. And then I think a couple of days later, Sean Stone 
interview me for his show, the first I understood that his show had moved to RT was when he did the interview of me. And RT is an international news outlet that is funded by the Russian government, which pushes pro-Russian propaganda. And it's essentially a propaganda network that operates in the United States that pays Americans to sell a certain storyline. And so I did this interview with him. So what's your intention now going forth based on what you've seen to help mobilize public consciousness? Not to make too much out of it, but, you know, I'm on a mission from God, okay? And that mission is to save mankind. And then he drove me up to Malibu to meet some veteran PTSD camp. It's a swerve. Yeah, no, big time. And on the whole ride up, he's talking about there's this story, Franklin Boys Town, some kidnapping ring of young kids that he's telling me about that's real. And this is the time when the spirits are all coming together to fight all this evil. And he's trying to talk me into rewriting Splendor in the Grass for free on spec for him to direct it. And I was like, dude, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> then he mentions to me that I should have come by and called him earlier because I could have met Kanye West. And then he said Kanye West was going to run for president in 2020. And I was like, dude, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, I may think I'm the angel Metatron and the reincarnation of Enoch, but dude, that's a lot more plausible than Kanye West running for president. <laughs> Talk of a political dirt unit. It's typical of this government that uh, a dirt unit should be operating on me by someone in a ministerial suite in the Howard government. Embarrassing facts, uh, or factoids or stories uh, on the coalition. And uh, the fact is, uh, as I've said to Margie and the kids, we're going to see a lot more dirt, 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 dirt. dirt, dirt, dirt.